0: So you got to get the product into the store, and then you got to get the people into the store to buy the product. And so, for instance, with Target, we decided, I decided, to go on Facebook and just target all of the Target employees around a certain uh, mile radius of the headquarters and, uh, just you know, just constantly feed them Barnana material that was sort of in line with what they were doing on a corporate level.
1: What's up, food marketing nerds? We've got another awesome interview lined up for you today. We're gonna be chatting with Nick Ingersoll, co-founder of Barnana. He's on the Forbes list of 30 under 30 and just an all-around cool dude. Before starting Barnana, Nick founded a digital agency which eventually formed into an augmented reality firm. And today, we dive into how he's leveraged creative thinking and guerrilla and digital marketing tactics to grow Barnana so quickly. In this episode, you'll learn how creative food startups are opening doors with big retail partners using Facebook ads, what it takes to pull off a huge attention-grabbing PR stunt, why traditional industry thinking might be stunning your company's growth, and so much more. We discuss a lot of extremely useful Facebook ad tactics in a short amount of time here, so rather than having you pause, write down notes, and have to restart and do that all again every couple seconds, we've compiled all the best tips into a downloadable PDF for you, and you can find that at foodmarketingnerds.com forward slash Facebook ads. Again, that's foodmarketingnerds.com forward slash Facebook ads. I think you're really going to enjoy this one, so without further ado, let's go hang with Nick. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. So could you tell our guests a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to, to found Barnana?
0: Sure. So I grew up in western Nebraska on a farm, uh, moved out to California after high school, founded a, a couple of companies, a lot in college, one being a tech company, the other one being Barnana. And um, today we upcycle organic bananas that used to go to waste at the farm and make delicious snacks out of them.
1: So backing up before, I guess, at the same time as Barnana, how did you come <laughs> into founding a tech company?
0: Right. So um, it, it's interesting. Like, So I I grew up in Nebraska, super isolated area, not a lot of opportunity, escaped um, (laughs) to go to college. And for me, it was always uh, a lot of design in in my life. And so I would do a lot of acrylic paintings and oil paintings. And um, what I figured out was that uh, the more lucrative um, and easier business model is design, packaging and logos and websites. (laughs) So uh, I started doing that instead of selling at, at galleries. And that's kind of what started the whole thing. So I pick up more and more client work, but then, of course, a lot of the clients, they want different things. Maybe they want SEO or or this and that, right? So uh, I met uh, a business partner of mine that did a lot of SEO and SEM, and so we started a small boutique agency, an interactive agency. So we'd make you know mobile apps and websites and, and things of that nature. We ended up pivoting and uh, creating an augmented reality platform, writing and filing a patent for it in 2011, right? So very... Premature <laughs> timing of the market for anything augmented reality. And I, it's funny looking back, it's like, man, all I had to think of was Pokemon. <laughs> was the key to the whole thing, you know? So but, uh, simple. It's a game that's still doing their thing. It's, it's sort of a white label augmented reality platform. And that's how uh, that kind of started. So it really was just a snowball. <laughs> it's what happened.
1: And so where did Barnana come along in that process?
0: Yeah, so i met my now business partner, Calway, at a mixer, and you know I was looking for clients, of course. Um, we ended up becoming friends, and he was running a bicycle manufacturing company at the time, and he's from Brazil where there's these dehydrated banana products, sort of uh, just whole dried bananas wrapped up in cellophane and, and sold on street carts and things. And the thing is, they're delicious, and there was nothing like that in the United States. So you know, we started looking at the food market and realizing you know, there's acai and, and coconut water that came over here. These are products that were commodities in Brazil and had been forever, and it was only in recent times where things like Zico and Vitacoco had come over and uh, done a really good job branding it. So, we saw a big market opportunity, of course, and then also we found out that bananas is the number one selling fruit in the U.S., more than apples and oranges combined, and we just couldn't believe that no one had branded the fruit, the banana, before. And so it was kind of a no-brainer. Let's let's do this. So we started working on it as a side project for a while, getting the branding dialed in and the operations dialed in. And then, sort of along our journey, we found out that a lot of the bananas—about you know, up to 20 percent of all bananas that are produced—go to waste before ever leaving the farm, which was a big sort of eye-opener revelation for us. And then, you know, about a year and a half after toiling around, we we launched it at Expo West, uh, which is the largest food conference international organic foods in, in the country. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. You know, we didn't have any product per se when we launched, but uh, we looked legit. So,
1: <laughs> Thanks <laughs> kind of design background. Did. So yeah. how did your background in art and design and having this tech company that's running in parallel influence the way that you approached Barnana and its marketing?
0: Yeah, it's it's very interesting, right? So in in food, it's still like 1920s Prohibition era thinking. I mean, it's really arcane. There's not a lot of tech that has moved into the food space as, as much as I expected that it would have <laughs> by the time that three guys with no food experience at all. Uh, myself, Matt and Coway jumped into it. You know, we, we just assumed like, of, well, of course there's tech. Involved. No, I mean, we're talking like the type of paper that has the, you know, the perforations on each side and the holes and you have to fricking fax things. It, just, it was crazy. So, oh, no. um, Yeah, certainly one of the strategic advantages for us was having a digital background jumping into it is that we could be way more nimble and and smart about sort of the decisions that we were making. And so um, whether that's e-commerce or or selling on Amazon, all all these sorts of digital marketing tactics really helped because, uh, you know, traditionally it's you go into the store, you demo the product, you give the retailer an MCB or whatever, right, 20% off something, and that's basically the game. You buy their stupid flyer. Maybe you you know put your your logo in their little mailer that goes out that no one reads, and uh, that's about it. And so we've been able to get really really tactical with sort of product launches, retail launches, tests, things like that. So you know I know if if we're being tested in X retailer in X region. Then I'll go geofence a whole bunch of people in that region, right, that have a certain affinity towards what we're looking for. Of course, take sort of our age demographic, which is the 25- to 34-year-old audience, and and plug that in and get really specific about who we want to target and drive them into the store and and drive them to the website. So there's a ton of ways, and I could probably go on forever. But um, having that digital background in the food space particularly was a huge advantage because there just wasn't and still isn't a lot of it.
1: Well, I'm definitely interested, and I'm sure our listeners are too, about some specific tactics as far as geofencing, getting people into into retail stores, just because that is such a tough, a big pain point, is how do you use digital to get people in stores?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple um, interesting tactics that uh, I've deployed, right? And so one of them is getting, how about the, just the product into the store? So you've got to get the product into the store, and then you got to get the people into the store to buy the product. And so, for instance... And with Target, we decided, I decided to go on Facebook and just target all of the Target employees around a certain uh, mile radius of the headquarters and uh, just, you know, just constantly feed them Barnana material that was sort of in line with what they were doing on a corporate level, right? So sales guys go in, they say, okay, these are Target's initiatives for the year. You know, we kind of get a, a firm grasp on that and then I tailor a bunch of messaging towards those goals that Target has and then I deploy those ads against all of their employees and just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it up until our sales guy shows up and then by the time he shows up, there's already been this weird groundswell of like awareness for Barnana at Target headquarters and no one exactly knows why. So um, that's uh, worked better than I even, better than I thought it would have starting. It wasn't just them, it's it's been a, a couple of retailers now. So that tends to work pretty well. Uh, and then, of course, you have to get people into the store to buy things. So there's a couple different ways. It depends on which retailer, right? Because some retailers will say, okay, we'll we'll give you all the data. We'll show you what the store-by-store sales are, week-over-week, velocity, et cetera. And some retailers just keep that so close to their chest they're not going to tell you anything. Um, they'll tell you, like, oh, you're doing good right? Yeah, doing pretty good. Doing, ah, doing a little better than we thought, but <laughs> they won't actually give you the numbers. It's just super frustrating. Come on, man. I mean, you'll have your PO. Yeah, like, come on, give me something. Um, and so it, it depends on the retailer is, is the caveat here, but in essence, once you sort of know who your customers are, right, and then you also know where your product is, you can get super granular. Um, through Facebook ads and Instagram ads to some extent drive people in the store. And there's a couple different ways you can do it. Of course, you can sort of self-host a coupon that people can take in with their phone, scan it, boom, buy the product right there. And then you track those coupon redemptions over time. You can also have some sort of uh, like a rebate program. So we have Gorilla Gear on the back of each package uh, where people collect points, they send them in, and we'll send them a a shirt or a hat. Or they also have the option for us to take the cost of those items and then donate it to a charity. And so that's proven pretty successful, especially uh, deploying that against specific retailers. So I might make a separate store locator just for Retailer Z, and then um, I'll have a landing page. So for that landing page, it'll only be Retailer Z stores in, in, in that store locator with a bunch of messaging. It'll be a custom rebate program just for people who are going to that retailer specifically, because maybe that's what we want to push the most. So instead of saying, okay, you have to collect 50 points or 100 points for this macro program that we have going on, which is essentially a rewards program that has been working very well, then maybe I'll say, oh, it's five points or 10 points or two points, right? I mean, it's two packages maybe or five packages, depending on how aggressive I want to get in terms of being able to measure and get people to go into the store and buy. And so on the the front end, you're targeting your general consumer segment in terms of age and uh, things like that, and then their purchasing habits. So are they purchasing organic food? Are they purchasing whatever niche you're in, dried fruit, seeds, jerky, whatever? and then are they actually shopping at the store that you're targeting and then you geofence around you know maybe a mile two mile radius outside of every store because you also don't want to cast too wide of a net because you're just wasting money right no one's driving 10 15 miles to (laughs) a store in a city right so you have to be really careful about that because you can waste money pretty quick
1: unless it's nebraska no i'm
0: kidding (laughs) yeah nebraska you drive an hour
1: (laughs) (laughs) well clearly clearly you know your stuff and i think uh having that digital background and then also being one of the guys at the top, you have that perspective of, okay, I know that might not be a d- exact correlation of $1 spent equals X amount, especially when you're driving people in store or, or can you?
0: Yeah. I mean, you try to do that as much as possible, right? And it is difficult. Um, there's some programs that allow you to do that. One is called Ibotta. Um, and so if you do run a food company that, that has a retail footprint, um, Ibotta is super powerful because it's it's not a coupon platform it's a rewards platform right and so they also have tons of market basket basket data and and all these super interesting insights that you can um of course that's sort of like their value they're really like a big data play but you can parse a bunch of data you can see how many redemptions are happening at, at which retailer and things um it's not super powerful for that it depends on your goal right like you can have a conversion campaign uh, on Facebook. And of course, Facebook ads is sort of it's where it's at right now. Even for food, uh, people are getting much more used to buying food on the Internet. So uh, I think that you have conversion p- campaigns, you have lead generation campaigns, which you can also track leads, right? You put that lead list into a completely separately you know, trackable list within whatever email platform that you have, email marketing platform, um, and you track that over time to see, hey, maybe it's actually cheaper to get a lead from Facebook right? Put them into our email marketing platform and get them to convert there instead of going directly for the conversion on Facebook or the retargeting or the dynamic retargeting, however you have that set up. So there may be some interesting insights as to how to spend the money best on there. But to drive them in store, you know, it is a bit of a black box, especially with the retailers that are harder to um, (laughs) squeeze the data out of. Um, And some are, are pretty good. You can buy expensive spin stuff. And, you know, once you get to a certain scale, you'll be able to see uh, a little bit better of an idea of how each store is doing stores some stores work with you, so it, you're either going for awareness or conversion, right, and you can you know pepper people with awareness all day long, which is great too. But I do like to have sort of that conversion element, whether it's through a coupon or a warworks program or something where you're actually getting at least some sense of, of data coming back you know instead of just putting a billboard out uh, along the freeway and, and hoping it works through impressions.
1: All right yeah it's insane how powerful facebook ads have become if if anyone who's listening has not tried facebook ads or it, it is the algorithms have gotten so smart with conversions and they improve over time it's it's crazy and clearly you guys are, are leveraging that to a really successful yeah. to, to boost your guys success so i know earlier before the call kind of changing gears a little bit you told me about a, a marketing stunt that you guys did i think it was at expo west that worked out really well mm-hmm. uh can you talk a little bit about that
0: Yeah. I mean, so Expo West, um, (laughs) they love us. Um, maybe, maybe it's more of a love hate. So every Expo West, I concoct some sort of like crazy gorilla stunt campaign, something. Right. And so the, the, maybe the most extreme example was, so last year we, we, usually introduce new products or flavors or iterations or something, right? So like brand new news of the industry. Um, In the Barnana world, we didn't have anything. And so the thought was, okay, maybe this time I'll just introduce a fictitious product. (laughs) Um, And so uh, what what I did was say, okay, great. What I'm going to do is make a package, make it look legit. I'm going to buy a URL and call this thing Gorilla Milk, which is a raw, unpasteurized free-range grass-fed gorilla milk <laughs> um and so the packaging looks legit i bought you know gorilla milk.org you can still go there um and it just had this picture of this package of gorilla milk i set out a press release that said you know talked about us going to africa and being able to milk the mother gorillas ourselves and you know it's all to save their habitat all this stuff right? Um, it's just like the most ridiculous thing humanly possible. It's not around April Fool's Day, so no one's really expecting it. So the whole goal was uh, to have this sort of um, PSA at the end where. You know, the big reveal is just because you can milk a gorilla doesn't mean that you should. And, and, and having that serve as an allegory of just because you can use pesticides doesn't mean you should. Just because you can take the easy way out in the food industry, just because you can use artificial preservatives and colorings and all that bullshit, it's because it's easier and cheaper, doesn't mean mean that you should, right? It's just not the right thing to do. So that's kind of the stance that we were taking with the, with the whole thing. So, you know, I launched the gorilla milk thing. We're posting it on social, like, oh got this thing called Gorilla Milk. We'll, you know, tell you what it is in a couple of weeks. And so maybe 50% of the population is like in the WTF zone, right? Like they're just like confused. You have 25% of the people that are thinking, oh, they're in like the, this is clearly bullshit zone. you right. Like this is an onion.com article, right? Yeah, and yeah. then you have 25% of people that are really, really angry vegans. So <laughs> oh. like, so it was up to us to, like, corral all these factions uh, and, and sort of disseminate the information about the PSA at the end, um, you know, because it's, you know, I was getting hit up by, like, every single dairy publication you can possibly imagine in the entire world. Like, the UK dairy, this and that. Like, okay. you send me some girl note to this place? It's hilarious. <laughs> That's so um, funny. But yeah, it was a fun one. Until the last day of Expo West, you know, we have uh, a big build up, a bunch of cameras everywhere, a huge crowd, and then you know we get up and and uh, reveal all the signs and um and do the PSA. So um, I do think that guerrilla marketing like that, especially in an early stage, at least for me, it's worked very well. Um, and it's super impactful and hard to forget.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. It clearly. It, I mean, it was very well thought out to have that PSA at the end with a, a landing page. And I think a lot of companies would love to do stunts like that, but are a little worried about that 25% of people that are maybe <laughs> irate or freak out over it and, or worried that it's going to fall flat. So I, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, you know, I just don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, for me, I don't know. Maybe it's just because that's how I was raised out in the middle of the wilderness and just you know, I, I just have a a high tolerance for, for risk, um, in in general. And I think if you want to take a lot of risk and, and, and put it out there, knowing that what you're doing is right, right. Then who cares? You you know, I think it'll, I think the pieces will fall where they should.
1: So I I know you guys have experienced a lot of success and grown fairly quickly as a company. So in your opinion, are there any keys to, to marketing success for a younger food company?
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of, I mean, there's been a lot of mistakes made, right? I think one is to be platform agnostic. So from, from a digital perspective, right? Being platform agnostic, I think, is one of the most important takeaways of all time. Because when we first started, you know, this is 2011, 2012, 2013. This is like Facebook prime era, right? Like, 100% organic reach for brands. And so. Uh, what a lot of brands were doing back then that were either starting at the same time that we were or maybe they're a year or two ahead or whatever. They were dumping every marketing dollar into Facebook to get likes, right? Like campaigns. And the reason was because they could get 100% organic reach. So they would have massive following of 300,000 fans um, and essentially be able to market to them for free. And then Facebook said, no, we're not doing that anymore. And (laughs) so then they give you you know one to two percent reach and you have to pay and although you do have a nice ecosystem of fans the problem is you uh have to pay to reach them now and so uh, you, you've seen it over time with everything right you're seeing it with instagram right now um and so i think being platform agnostic is super important i think being on the platform when it's hot is also important and then converting those people into an email list or something that is uh, not going to be controlled by a company trying to push more advertising dollars, squeeze advertising dollars out of it, right? I think that's super important. I also think that uh, not listening to people that have been in the industry for like 30 years is important because those guys are super old school and this is an already super old school business and they do have some good insights for sure, but I think you can spend a lot more money than you should by taking all that advice, by doing a lot of promotions and doing a lot of, like I was saying, print, flyer, mailer, you know, shit that is just like, man, it just doesn't work that well anymore. Um, and I also think uh, getting creative and doing sort of guerrilla marketing in a physical space and then also doing it digitally, which, you know, I guess... Ah, you know, guerrilla marketing, it's funny, you have guerrilla marketing when it's physical and then quote-unquote growth hacking <laughs> uh, on the internet. But essentially, it's the same thing, right? It's like trying to do something um, unordinary uh, for a low cost. And so I try to uh, over-invest in the low-cost, um, high-reach stuff, especially early on, and also really get digital with Amazon, Jet.com, your own e-com site, to start out, I think, is, is the most important, uh, especially because getting into the brick and mortar retail business, not only is it hard, but it's very expensive. And the cash flow isn't so great, right? I mean, you're purchasing my raw materials, you're getting them assembled, selling them and then, wait, you know, selling distributor and waiting 90 days. And um, for young companies that maybe don't have big coffers of cash, um, they don't have lots of Gold bullion or, or gold coins <laughs> in swimming pools that they're you know doing the backstroke in um, in Beverly Hills. It's 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 tough out there. So um, I think bootstrap for a period of time as long as you can build up a, a nice audience and pre-launch build up an audience as well. I think it's important to build up an audience before you ever launch. So that way, once you do, um, you have an ecosystem of people that are at least aware of, if not excited about, what you're doing.
1: Is there, you mentioned you get a lot of bad advice, especially from people who've been in the industry and go the traditional route. Is there a piece of advice that you are really thankful that you got early on or throughout the the process of building Barnana?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's been a ton, right? I think um, for us, again, it's three guys with no food experience there was a lot of, of good insight. And luckily early on, we had some investors, we raised money from people that were industry angels, which is important, right? So our strategy was, and, and in general, for anyone listening, that, that's thinking about or, or having a food company, like what you have is unique. You have the idea and the execution of the idea. Money is not unique. Like there's plenty of money. That's fine right and so you want smart money you want money that's been there and done that and can actually give you good advice from and and they're coming from a good place to actually help you so you have some of these guys that are consultants which that's hold their whole business like i'm just going to i'm just going to give you ideas and tell you what you should do Maybe, in exchange for equity or whatever, I get really wary of those scenarios, and i 've seen that turn bad. Um, the best pieces of advice that that i 've gotten that we 've gotten is from our industry angel investors that um, have been there, done that, been operators sold, you know been successful, sold their companies, and now they 're still doing the damn thing so there 's lots of them I think uh, so, some of the learning lessons are actually from. Uh, the, the the former, which are sort of the advisor, or, oh, I'm going to, you know, let me do this and, and this and that. Uh, there's a lot of douchebaggery going on in that whole <laughs> ecosystem. Okay. And so one of our core values is well, we have a strict no douchebag policy, right? Like written into our entire um, company culture and very like not hidden about it. Right. And um, I, I think that's, probably the most valuable, Uh, but there's been tons of stuff along the way. I mean, learning what certain retailers look at, right? Learning sort of uh, the best way to... Price your product, making sure you don't have ten different price lists that you have one. It's, it's sort of like this accumulation of tiny little knowledge chunks. Because what ends up happening is, in the brick and mortar retail space, it gets so nuanced and complex per retailer, per channel. Now you're talking about convenience, grocery, club, natural. You're talking about all these weird arms and navigating through all of those because they're not the same. You would, you would imagine there's a lot of commonality, and there's some but not nearly as much as you would think. So I, I think that early on, if, for us, it, it was very important knowing how much money to raise and win, um, not, not to keep raising consecutive equity rounds, right, building note structures into sort of the capital raise process, also not to pay slotting fees. I think that was early on one of the pieces of advice that was the most important was to say, we're just not paying slotting. We're just not, that's not a thing we do. Like we don't do that thing that you want us to do. And so slotting, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is where a retailer says, hey, love to have you in our store. Be 150 bucks per facing per store. So you have four facing per store times 100 stores. All of a sudden, you're paying thousands of dollars yeah. um, just to get your product on the shelf. And so from the get-go, we just said, mm, we're good. We're just not doing that. And a lot of the time, if, if you're convincing enough, if your brand is buttoned up enough, if, you, if your brand looks good enough and you have a good enough team behind you, those retailers will capitulate and not take the slotting and, and take your product in. So early, early on, that was a super uh, good piece of advice that we received.
1: Well, I have really enjoyed this interview and your unfiltered advice. Just it's raw, and you can tell that it's it's the actual stuff that, that really works. So I really appreciate all your <laughs> feedback and these answers. And I know we have to wrap up here, but w- uh, what's coming down the pipeline for Barnana? I know before the call you mentioned you guys have some uh, exciting things rolling out.
0: Yeah, so we just launched Nationwide in Starbucks two weeks ago, so that's super exciting. Um, we have a brand-new product line out right now called Banana Brittle, which you can find Nationwide in Whole Foods. And also, starting uh, we'll call it February first into January, we will be unveiling a brand new line of products that uh, internally everyone here is extremely excited about. We're going to be plussing those out nationwide in Whole Foods. Three flavors, eight facings, eye level, perfect placement situation. But I can't quite tell you what the products are yet. But I can say they're going to be delicious.
1: Awesome. Well, you're killing it. And uh, just keep keep doing your thing. I know you will. Uh, where, where's yeah, the best? Man. Where's the best place for people to go find out more about Barnana and what you guys have coming down the pipeline?
0: Yeah, so you can um, go to Barnana.com or follow us on Instagram, which is at eat barnana. Uh, if you want to holler at me, it's at ingersoll nik ingersoll nik Feel free to hit me up on the contact form or DM me whatever. If you have any you know random questions you know it's uh, it's it, it's hard to get a lot of information about the food industry or or food marketing et cetera. if you don't listen to podcasts like this or or you haven't been in the industry it, it's hard so always it may take me a little while to get back uh, to people sometimes but I'm always more than willing to just just help out and like I said at eat barnana on instagram is probably the best way to keep up to date with everything we got going on that's about it
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again, Nick. You are the man. And uh, I'll definitely link everything up in the show notes so people can go check it out.
0: Cool. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, guys. I hope you've learned a ton in our episode with Nick today. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, to get that PDF with all the useful Facebook ads tips we discussed, go to foodmarketingnerds.com forward slash Facebook dash ads. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.